All right, welcome back. This is Luke Humphrey with the Luke Humphrey Running Podcast. And uh, today we are going to talk a little bit about tempo runs. So uh, in 2018, I did a uh, podcast on tempo runs. And it really, it, it goes, pr- I feel like pretty well into how marathon pace should feel. And that post is definitely still relevant and I'll link to it um, in, the, in the blog part of this. Uh, so definitely check that out. And, you know, unless our physiology drastically changes, you're going to get some benefit from it. So uh, take a listen to it or read that uh, post uh, that I'll have linked in this current post. But uh, I wanted to do an update because over the, you know, over the last several years, as more and more people have read the HMM books, uh, some questions have come up. And, you know, honestly, you know, there's always uh, room for improvement and further discussion on a topic. So this, uh, this just seems like a natural part of the process. But uh, the, really the big thing is that uh, the books are the books and the plans that are in the book are meant to fit a wide spectrum of people, correct? So, uh, you know, we're trying to, you know, I always picture the bell curve and we're trying to fit, you know, the vast majority of that bell. And you're always going to have uh, people on either end of the spectrum who it might not necessarily be a perfect fit for. But for the va- for most of the people, most of the schedule work most of the time. So um, uh, it's it's you always have to look at it that way. And of course, you're going to have your individual situation, which is going to have to be addressed. You know, and that's not necessarily going to be part of what is covered generally in a book like that. So uh, I always want you to keep that in mind, and then obviously we can supplement with things like these blog posts and podcasts. But uh, um, Questions come up all the time, and I think today is a good time to uh, comment on some of the the most common areas where uh, of specificity of the tempo runs of the marathon tempo runs. So, um, so let's just go right into that that section. So, the first the first area I see is people making small jumps versus big jumps in marathon training, and so by this I mean, are you making a big jump into a goal pace, or are you making a s- small jump into a goal pace. Um, and so I would say anything within 10 seconds, a mile of what you've currently run is probably within, you know, kind of what I would say your standard of deviation already. So, um, by that, I mean, if your current marathon pace is nine minutes a mile, then you probably hit 850 per mile fairly regularly in training. And it doesn't represent any major adjustment in pace, you know, like it's not going to take a extreme shift in gears to reach that pace um, based on where you're already at. However, if you run 850 per, um, and then you look at that though, that 10 seconds per mile, um, you know, 850 versus nine minute pace, then that's going to give you essentially a five minute faster race, right? So that's the beauty of a small increase over 26.2 miles and how that can drastically change the outcome of your race, you know, and I, you know, that works a little off topic here, but I think that works the other way too, where, you know, if you were, if your goal pace was nine minutes and you went eight fifties and weren't ready to that, and you do that in a race, um, you know, you can ultimately lose, like you, you, you can, that five minutes might look good to a lot of people getting that, um, that may mean the difference between getting into Boston and not getting into Boston. But, uh, um, but anyway, let's use that nine minute per pace now that you, and now you, you, you've run nine minute per nine minute pace and now you want to run 830 pace. So for some of you, 
that new pace, that 30 second difference in pace might represent something that looks more like your half, your current half marathon pace than it does your marathon pace. And so this obviously is a big jump in pace and is going to drastically alter how your tempos feel. Um, and you know, they might end up feeling more like even more intense than strength work. They might even feel closer to speed session. So uh, as far as intensity and just kind of that gut level um, feeling that you have and really are you even able to uh, to do these tempo runs at that pace, especially early on. So um, so that's something we have to, to have to address. And so building on that jump in pace, the next logical step is how your paces feel your early paces feel versus later later tempo runs feel. So the basic assumption here is that you're coming off of a rest and are now starting a buildup to a marathon. So now if you aren't coming off of a rest, but simply moving from one segment to another, then chances are that your early tempo runs will feel easier than they should, and that's a sign of trouble. Because to me, you're going to be probably too fit too fast, and it's going to ultimately cause you probably to overcook a little bit. But... That's another discussion for another time. Um, for now, let's assume you are coming off of a rest and you're making a small jump in paces. If that's the case, then marathon pace should feel uncomfortable but not super taxing. And this is mostly because you've just you slightly decreased your fitness levels, and this is slightly above your current marathon ability, but it's nothing drastic, right? And the idea is that your fitness improves and your marathon pace will feel easier as you go, to a point. Now, as we mentioned, you know, and then we'll talk about that in a second, but essentially where you throw in the factor of cumulative fatigue and heavy training and all that good stuff, then later on, it still, it might not necessarily feel easier, even though your effort is about the same, but we'll talk about that in a second. Um, as we've mentioned, you are making a, if you're making a big jump in paces, then marathon tempos will feel difficult. Um, and they might even be discouraging. However, if you are committed to the goal, I say, give it several weeks before deciding if it is too much, uh, and we'll discuss ways to combat this later on. But essentially what I'm saying is if, if you're coming off of a rest and you're taking a small jump in marathon pace, it's probably going to feel uncomfortable early on, but it's going to gradually feel more and more comfortable. Uh, it's not going to be overly taxing, things like that. Now, if you're making a big jump, it's going to feel much more intense, right? It's going to feel almost like training for a half marathon tempo. And I'll talk about ways you can adjust for that later on, but just know that early on those paces are going to feel really, really intense. Um, and the thing is that you're going to be altered. Like you're kind of throwing a wrench into it because you're going to feel pretty intense. And that intensity is probably never going to really back off. Because then you go in from doing a four-mile tempo at a really fast pace to gradually building up to eight, nine, ten miles of tempo at that same effort. And that's going to feel pretty tough. And I think you have to kind of go into it recognizing, recognizing that. Uh, the next area is your progression of fitness. So the whole goal with a training plan is to improve your level of fitness. And in theory, marathon pace should feel easier, right? But for some, it might especially those small jumpers, as I'm calling them, that might feel, you might actually just get more and more comfortable because it's nothing drastically different than what you've done in the past. But for some, it might be, there's, there's confounding factors that I mentioned, you know, so how that's going to affect how we actually feel. In reality, I have only, I have only had pace feel slightly easier in my, in my experience with doing tempos. 
Um, what's more important is that unless I was overtrained, I never felt worse, right? So it never really got better, but it never really got worse. And so what I mean is I felt roughly the same for a 10-mile tempo later in a segment as I did during a four-mile tempo eight weeks prior. And even more important than that, my confidence increased as I felt more comfortable or not necessarily comfortable, but familiar with that new pace. And it, I was able to say, okay, this doesn't feel impossible now, even though it never might not have felt easier, but I was running so much further at the same pace and I never really felt any worse at the end of that that I did earlier in the segment. So the big thing I want to say here too is notice that I'm differentiating between easier and comfort, right? So it might not feel more easy. It might not feel easier, but you might feel more comfortable at that more intense pace. And I find this to be true for modest increases in pace and for those who are adjusting well to bigger increases in pace. So the thing to note there, I guess, is that if you don't feel more comfortable at that harder pace and your confidence isn't improving at all, it might be time to kind of worry a little bit about that. And I'm talking by the time you get to like the nine and 10 mile tempo range, if you don't feel, you know, comfortable and by comfortable, I'm not saying, Oh, I feel like you're on easy run. But if you don't feel like as long, if you feel like you're racing your tempos and you feel like you get done with that and you couldn't run another mile at that, at that point, uh, you might have something to worry about, but if it's like, okay, it was hard, but I was able to do it and I was able to, to bounce back and do the, whatever I had scheduled next. That's, that's a pretty good sign. All right. So the last one I want to talk about was the effect of cumulative fatigue and its effect on your feel for tempo pace. And so using our early four mile tempo example, it, it, it feels hard because your fitness is just at a lower level. And when you get to those 10 mile tempos, you are doing them with several weeks of hard training on your legs. So that's what I mean. Like, your effort, your effort might be the same, but you're running a lot further, you know? So, so basically your fitness may be leaps and bounds higher, but the fatigue you feel is not allowing your tempos to feel easier. And so under normal heavy training, tempo runs will be hard and the first couple miles not might, might not be all that wonderful, but you'll be able to settle into that pace and end up just and being just fine. Again, it might not feel like easy pace, comfortable, but it's going to feel like manageable, okay? And that's the big thing. It's manageable, and you feel like you could probably run further if you really, really had to. Um, if you're on the other side of that, though, if you're overcooked, what you'll see is that your effort will increase and your paces might actually be slower and slower, and that's not a good sign. Um, and if this is the case, which is usually with, you know, the air quotes, big jumpers, you're trying to hit that really hit that grand slam home run then you may need to reconsider the pace that you are trying to attempt. So, you know, the the bottom line there is I don't mind making those going after that big jump. Just keep in mind, like, you are really asking yourself to go above and beyond fitness levels. It's one thing to go one fitness level, but going three fitness levels is another thing. And so you just have to recognize that that, that, that might cause some problems with burnout, overtraining, and going way beyond cumulative fatigue. And you have to recognize recognize those signs. So, you know, if you're you're adapting to the training, it's gonna be hard, but you're gonna be able to hit the paces. If you can't hit the paces and it feels harder as you go on, that's not a good sign. All right, so that's really just kind of the extension of to what I had in the earlier post. Um, but now I want to talk about how how do we adjust some of these things a little bit. So 
Um, so the first thing I want to talk about is for big jumpers, uh, a segment that focuses on getting a race times down. So let's assume that you've just run a marathon and it went well. And I get this quite a bit. Like, I, you know, so let's say somebody's Boston qualifying time is 345 and they just ran 405. You know, before that, their PR was like 420. And so now they're saying, okay, I just made a 15-minute improvement. Why can't I just do that again and get my Boston qualifier? And, you know, that's – I like the thinking. I like – I definitely like the thinking that you're capable of doing it because most of the time people are definitely capable of doing it. It's just a matter of planning and it's a matter of uh, commitment and it's a matter of allowing enough time to reach that goal. Um so I don't mind that, but I think you have to look at where everything's at. Always be looking at the big picture. Um, and so for, for a lot of times, this person's saying, um, let's just jump right back in and go after that big, that another big PR. Um, what the heck? Let's just do it. So, and I'm not saying you shouldn't, but I'm saying let's, let's take a look at this. And so um, here's, here's a common scenario. So let's say you ran at the end of an end of the end of April marathon and we're thinking you want to just go for it at the fall. So what I'll see a lot of people do is make a jump right into another marathon attempt and try to reach that deadline for Boston. And so if you don't know, there's, you know, if you want to, if you, since we're in the year 2019 and you want to run the 2020 Boston marathon, you have to have your qualifying time by early September of 2019. And then they start the, you know, the whole registration process based on seed time or whatever, you know, the whole, you know, what, how fast you are, given your qualifying time. Hold on, that we do a whole blog on that. But bottom line is you have to have your qualifying time by September 2019 to register for the 2020 Boston Marathon. And so now what you've seen is a number of, you know, last chance Boston Marathon qualifying races for that weekend of the deadline. So you basically qualify that weekend, register on Monday. Um, the problem is with this scenario is they say, I've run my marathon in April and now I want to make a really big jump again into a qualifying time, but I just want to go for it. So I'm basically going to go from marathon segment to marathon segment, and hopefully that I can hit two big PRs in a row, which is pretty difficult in itself. Um, but the problem is it doesn't give the person who is trying to make the big jump in performance enough time to adjust to that new level. We've just made a big jump. Now we're asking to make another big jump, and it's just really, really difficult to do. Um, those needing a couple minutes, that's another story. Cause it's like, we talked about that standard of deviation, you know, that's, they're already within that standard of deviation. So they could almost essentially do the same segment again and run a little bit faster without any, you know, necessarily any big extra effort from that. Um, they could just do what they did before and be able to be pretty close to what they want to do. What I would propose is the person, and this is the person making the big jump is take that recovery and then utilize, and just going back to our April example, use May, June, July, and part of August to work on shorter races. You know, summertime is, there's a plethora of 5Ks and 10Ks. Every weekend you could find one if you wanted to. But that would be a time to say, hey, you know, I, I to make this jump, I'm basically going to have to run my half marathon pace um, twice. Okay, my 5Ks don't line up, my 10Ks don't line up. All right, let's give ourselves a chance and bring our 5Ks and 10Ks down, get our fitness to another level, Not maybe not quite exactly where we need it to be, but let's bring those paces down 
so that next time we come back to the marathon, all of a sudden that new marathon pace isn't such a jump, right? Because it might be in what we've actually run for the marathon, but in terms of what we've run for other races, it makes more sense now, right? So, you know, if we wanted to run 8.30 pace and that was our, you know, our half marathon time, okay, well, now we've trained for 5Ks and 10Ks and we've gotten our those races under eight-minute pace, okay, whew, now we've given at least like 30, 40 seconds a mile where it's not as big of a jump now. You know, there's a, there's a little bit of separation there and that marathon pace, it might not feel super comfortable, especially early on, but it's given us, okay, we've, we've run faster than this and we just spent a summer of running faster than this. Now I can, now I can scale back and it might actually feel much more comfortable. All right. So, uh, so I think that's, that's key with that. And I have a little bit more written there, but I don't think, uh, we necessarily need to go into that. It basically made that attempt. So essentially the, the last line I have in that is essentially we have made an attempt to bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be. And so we don't have such, we're not looking across the bay to an Island, right? We're, we're actually halfway across that now. And it's a lot easier to look look at that and see that a little bit bigger on the horizon than, you know, way off a little dot that we can barely see, you know, it's much more manageable. All right. So the second thing I have is break up the tempo runs early, treat as rust buster workouts. And so, um, you know, this is something I'll do with a lot of my athletes is they're coming back from races or, you know, in the final surge plans that we have. Uh, but essentially these are, you know, these are soft toss workouts. These are, these are workouts I know you can hit, you know, you can hit, um, but they're intro workouts, right? Um, they're not anything that is going to be daunting and it's going, I basically, uh, I basically want to build your confidence, right? I want to build your confidence into thinking, okay, this is something I can manage. And by the time we actually get into harder workouts three or four weeks down the line, you've already run that pace a little bit and you're much more comfortable with it. But this is really simple. I mean, this is like something like six to 800 meters or six to eight times 800 meters at your goal marathon pace. So if we go back to that where your new goal marathon pace might have been what your old half marathon PR pace was, we're breaking that up, right? We're making that, a, we're making that an interval workout at marathon pace. So it's gonna be hard, but the intervals are so short that they're manageable. So I'd say something like six to eight times 800, you know, and, and with a short rest, so, you know, 400 meter jog or whatever you wanna do, um, and just do that as a rust buster. And then each week kind of get longer. So standard thing I do is six to eight by 800. Next week I do four by a mile. And then maybe I do four by a mile and a half or three by a mile and a half, depending on the mileage level. So there's a ton of ways you can do it. And then once they get up to where, say they're in like a two by three at new marathon pace, then I'll, then I'll throw in the regular tempo runs, like a six, eight mile tempo, um, run along the way. And, that's a good progression because by the time they get to that point, they've actually done some work at that new pace, but they've also allowed themselves to adapt to that new pace instead of just completely overcook themselves in the first six weeks. So that's something that you, you can try. Next thing I have is add a day of recovery. So I've talked about this plenty of times, but I'm a big fan of going Monday, Thursday, Saturday. So Monday, you know, speed or strength, Thursday, tempo, Saturday, long run, and then taking Sunday as your easy day, and then starting that cycle over or Tuesday, Friday, Sunday, same type of setup, you know, just giving you, cause I think where most people get into trouble is that Tuesday, Thursday setup where it's just, uh, an off day on Wednesday, 
and you go intensity, off day, intensity, and that's what I think catches up to a lot of people over time. So if you spread that out a little bit, you can you can be fine, um, you know, and then and then go from there. So I think that's one thing to look at. I also like our the alternator schedules that I have up. So it's like, you know, basically a Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday type of setup, but then the next week would be uh, maybe Tuesday, uh, Saturday you know, where it goes Tuesday workout and then uh, Saturday, a big workout. So this is where I'd be put the big marathon pace type of workouts. And that's worked out really well for people as well. So, you know, one week's like kind of jammed with intensity and, and duration. The next week we spread that out a little bit more, but the workouts might be bigger. You know, so there's a diff- lot of different ways to do it. The nine day cycle, love the nine day cycle. That's what I, essentially what I use. And I love it. You know, it just gives you two days, two full days of recovery, uh, running between each thing. And makes a makes a big difference, especially if you're a person who doesn't recover very fast from those types of workouts. You can you can you can actually get more mileage in, and I feel like your your workouts are better. Um, they're done more appropriately. You feel a little bit better, but you're still, you know, people say, well, doesn't that affect your cumulative fatigue? Not really, because your mileage is still there. Um, and cumulative fatigue is different for everybody, right? If you're if you're a younger person who is very fit, we can cram in a little bit more intensity and you're probably going to recover the same as a middle-aged person working a nine to five that, you know, has a family and is trying to just balance, you know, all this stuff along. Uh, they're going to need a little bit more time to recovery, but the effect of the workout's going to be essentially the same. So hopefully, hopefully that makes sense to you. Um, the last thing I have is start from slower to faster or in parentheses, fast to slow. And you can employ the strategy regardless of whatever strategies above that we just talked about. Um, you kind of do this as a supplement, but there are really two ways to approach. And the first is to start your tempo or your marathon repeats at your current marathon pace and progressively work towards your goal marathon pace. So I personally like this method the best. It's uh, as I like to train how I want you to race. So I want you to practice going out conservative and getting faster as you go. However, there's the other side of this as well, and that would be to start your marathon goal marathon pace and simply hold on as long as you can. Uh, this, I think, is, is, is acceptable, especially if you want to test yourself after a few first few weeks. So let's say you do, uh, I don't know, three, four weeks of marathon repeats, and you go from 8 by 800 to 4 by one to 4 by 5 and then the fourth week, you're like, okay, let's just see how long we can do this. And we do a six-mile tempo, and we see how long we can hold that new pace. And say you get to four miles and then you kind of fade out the last two miles. That's fine. Just don't do that every week, right? I don't want you to, (laughs) that's a pretty discouraging way to train. And that's when I think people get really, they doubt themselves and they automatically say, I can't do this. This is too much. Set yourself up for success. You know, do this as a test, but then go right back to something you know you're going to be successful at. You know, so whether it's doing another marathon repeat workout and just increasing the amount of repeats. So, you know, instead of doing two by three, maybe you do four times two or something like that, whatever the case is. Um, Or just do a, or come back and do a a longer tempo, but start out slow and get fast. Something that's going to set you up to feel more confident. And I think that's definitely ways you can approach that. Okay, so those are the four big things that I do and recommend for people to uh, attempt, especially if making big jumps in pace. So how I want to close this this post out is 
talking about the big question, how am I going to go another 16 miles at this pace? I see it all the time. You guys have probably asked it. Uh, I've definitely asked it. And, you know, it's, it's a valid question, right? So in this, I think it's something we have to talk about. And, and I've talked about it in another post, and it's called How Do I Know I Am Ready? And so I'll link to that one as well. And that goes into, like, some of the things I would that I used as I was – is I train how I know I'm ready to hit a pace. So definitely check that out. So I won't go too much into that, but I will say if you're hitting your 10 mile tempo runs within a few seconds a mile and you're not adjusting in your training to get there, you're not, you know, taking the next day off to recover so you can do your long run or anything like that, then I think you have a you have a good chance. You take the taper seriously, you you do well with your taper nutrition, you do well with your uh, taper hydration and all those things, I think you're going to be in a position to be successful. However, if you're at a point where it's a hot mess or you can't even come close to your goal pace, then you really have some decision-making to do. And if you're okay with rolling the dice, then go ahead, roll the dice. I have no problem with that. It's, it's You have to take risks sometimes. And sometimes when you want to get to the next level, you just have to put yourself in a really scary place that you have no idea what's going to happen. And just kind of see what see how it goes down. You know, I have no problem with that. But don't don't put yourself in that position and then get down on yourself or down on anybody else because it didn't work out well because that was one of the potential outcomes that was going to happen anyway, right? So we knew that was that was a possibility going into it. Or if you're okay with splitting the difference and scaling back, so we talked about those examples before where somebody's trying to make that huge jump and yeah, you know, like, you know what, but I'd still be happy with a, a 10 minute PR instead of a 30 minute PR, you know, scale it back. I mean, now's the time to do it. If you get to a point in your body simply telling you, Hey, Hey pal, this is not, we're not ready for this. And that's, it's not a defeat saying we're never going to do this. It's simply saying, let's take a step back. So we are not completely discouraged and a step back is still going to be a PR, right? You're still moving forward. You know, we're still over and all, we're taking a step back immediately, but our long-term goal is still making, we're making progress towards that. So you don't look at it as a negative, look at it as being realistic and still setting yourself up for success, right? So, you know, there's definitely ways to do it. And and I, I think you really just have to make a decision if you get to that point, especially if you're trying to make that big jump in a, in a, in a goal pace, that are you okay with the outcome if it doesn't go well? Or would you rather take a little bit of success and scale that way out there goal back a little bit this time, but still making progress towards it down the road? And I that's something you just have to work out on your own. Um, but essentially, what we're doing is we're, we're I want to make that bridge from here to bar, to Boston Qualifier Land or to Sub Four Hour Land or wherever whatever destination you have in mind. Um, I want to make the progress towards that. So just keep all this in mind. And but there's a ton of ways to set things up on your own. Um, we, as I said, we have it in our, a lot of our plans in final surge. That's how I treat with a lot of my athletes individually. Um, so take with that as you will. And as always, I appreciate you listening. If you like the podcast, uh, I encourage you, please, please, if you don't have the books, Buy a book, Hanson's Marathon Method, Hanson's First Marathon Method, uh, Hanson's Half Marathon Method. Uh, you can find them on all the online places. Uh, but please, uh, you can help support us that way. 
Um, if you have the books and you love us, uh, buy a shirt, buy a sweatshirt. L- would love to get them out of my office. And uh, Or if you want a training plan, you can go to LukeHumphreyRunning.com and you can go to coaching. You can see what the coaching options are. We also have the pre-made plans. Great, great deal where you can uh, download a plan and uh, have it with you, lifetime access to it. Um, you can print a PDF off with all your notes and all your paces, all that good stuff. Um, but great way to uh, to help yourself out and help me out too. Not going to lie there. So as always, thanks for listening, guys and gals and everybody else. Maybe your dog's listening too. All right. I will talk to you later. Have a good week.